This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 591, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast. This is episode 591. I am Josh Flanagan, along with my co-host, Ron Richards. Hello, Josh. And Connor Kilpatrick is making a run for the border again. I, I don't know. I don't know who he pissed off this time, but it, like, all I know is it's bad. I just thought that the size of that shipment was ostentatious. <laughs> it's just, it's, I mean, he flew too close to the sun this time, folks. So let's, yeah. uh, let's, so uh, if you, if you can say a prayer, let's hope that he's the, that he's all right, that he makes it through I'm this not, one. You, <laughs> you know what? A man is responsible for his own choices. I True, don't know. Man. Yeah. We are a fanboy and we are responsible for our own choices. Every week we read a stack of comics, which was a choice. One of us picks their favorite book, another one, and we call that the pick of the week. We were going to talk about that book and other books from the week, which we chose together. Uh, the patron pick, and maybe if we have some time, we'll lead, read some li- listener mail. Uh, there's two jamokes, so you never know. It either goes long or short. It never goes short. I don't know what I'm talking about. It should be fun. That's the deal. Here is your spoiler warning. This is a review show, so we're going to talk about what happens in those books. There will be spoilers. You haven't read them. Not our problem. Ron, you had the pick. Yes, I had the pick. And um, matter of inches, folks. You know, sometimes, sometimes that last book in your stack is the one that grabs you. And uh, this week, that's exactly what happened with our pick of the week. Uh, it's a book that uh, l- recent listeners uh, know that I've been reading. It is called Eleanor and the Egret, uh, issue number three. It's written by John Lehman with art by Sam Keith and colors by Rhonda Patterson. Um, and uh, I love this book. This book is so, I don't know. I, I mean, I know exactly what it is, but like, it is so not anything I expected from the world. Uh, the, you know, and the thing is, I, I know John, we know John Lehman from Chew, um, and we know that he has a very, let's say a wacky sensibility in the world. Right. Um, and Sam Keith is, is one of my favorite creators going on 25 years now, 26 years. I mean, you know, like I, I, you know, I first tuned into him on Marvel comics presents in 1992, I think. Um, and then of course the max, and then we've had spotty, you know, you know, spotty releases from him over the past ten years or so. Um, but with this, this is an ongoing monthly series uh, that is that he is not shortchanging the art in any way, um, and it's got his wonderful cartooning style uh, mixed with a just really weird uh, Agatha Christie Poirot. Por- I can't say Poirot. You know, Poirot. Poirot kind of mystery, uh, you know, like art thievery mystery going on. And I, I just, I love this book. I love it. Um, so now I, this is the third issue and I, and Josh, I, I was so excited about this. I gave you this issue. I bought it you for did. you. Um, and partially a, in the hopes that we would have something to talk about so we wouldn't get me talking for 10 minutes. Um, no one B, wants that, but B also, because I'm really curious kind of what your, your take on reading it is as well too. Um, so I would love to hear what you thought of it. I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. Um, I definitely, I, I, my initial instinct is that Layman and Keith are, are a strange pairing, but it works. Yeah. No, I'm not even saying it doesn't like if I, if I sort of, you know, extract and think about it, like I get that actually in a way, because you would have said Rob Guillory was a weird pairing for anybody, but we got so used to it. And so there are bits of this in here that I was like, oh, there's Layman. That's the guy I understand. And, and, and like, I think outside of Chew, I think I've only ever really read his big two stuff right which is pretty straightforward it's not that that wacky sort of stuff so i got i don't know that i know what this was i felt very much like i think i was missing the first couple issues because i hadn't read them well i was hoping that maybe the art triggered with of course because you didn't read the first issues but no you go back and read the first two issues i mean it definitely is difficult if you're not reading this like this is in the middle of the story right right but but sometimes you can do that Sure, yeah, yeah. And this one, you couldn't. So right. you know, if you're out there thinking about going to pick up three, I don't recommend it. I would see. I would definitely say go back and read from issue one onwards because right. you, there's little nuance and stuff like that. Um, but ultimately, like the like, and what's funny, what sealed the deal for me was like I had another book all set to be the pick, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. 
and I was a little bit of relu- a little bit of reluctance, and I was open to something kind of you know changing you know kind of changing my mind. And I opened Eleanor and the Egret, and sure enough, what is on that first page? But I gotta go back because I'm in the middle. It's a it's a it's a cutaway. We see oh, it, it is yeah in the prologue uh, we go back in time where we see a, a boarding house and there's a and Sam Keith has drawn a cutaway where we see what's going on in each room um, and I was like oh there's a cutaway that's fantastic right and so <laughs> so that got me kind of start start starting off but then as the story progressed we get a little bit of a of a um, you know the prologue kind of gives us a sense I don't really know what's going on in the prologue the prologue just shows a a boarding house where there are different uh, different artistic types creating there's a, a couple of writers there, there's a uh, no there's a writer there's a mathematician there's a steamstress and there's a painter and then ultimately the the painter is painting and something is wrong and the paint isn't sticking to the to the canvas and that's when the prologue ends and then we go back to our main story where the the target of the artist who is the target of the art thievery by Eleanor and her Egret is having a gallery showing and the uh, the investigator the detective who's on the case is you know hoping that the art thief tr- makes you know they're trying to set up a trap for her right um, meanwhile the detective uh, it's kind of got the hots for the for the suspect, and sure enough, the suspect, the the girl Eleanor, kind of got a crush on the detective, <laughs> and so you got you got little elements of that, um, and then at the same time, there's this kind of boogeyman that's been set loose uh, by the artist um, who is you know also at the location, and uh, he strikes. And he's got this weird, creepy snake thing, and the issue ends with a cliffhanger where the snake uh, grabs the egret and bites its neck, and it screams in pain, and, and that was a good kind of cliffhanger for me. So this issue had a little bit of everything. It moved the story along. Um, it had a good cliffhanger. It had a lot of little kind of subtle touches. There's some points, like early on when the, when the art gallery is setting up for the, expo- uh, the, uh, the exhibit, um, a couple of touches of Tintin. In terms of hmm. in, ter- in terms of the art style, like you see when the um, Eleanor shows up and she's um, the way she gets by the, the detective is she's dressed up in a uh, in a disguise delivering an ice sculpture and they, she's covered the aigrette in uh, makeup to look like it's an ice sculpture of a swan and she's got her hair pulled back in a ponytail and a hat but she's got a fake mustache and there's one panel where her eyes are drawn like those white circles like Tintin. Yeah, I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that's cute. That's uh, like, I, I picked up on that. It's a very, this is a very." T- you know what she actually reminded me of when she's in disguise in those panels, the little line drawing, I, made me think of Terry Moore. Yes, I can see that yeah. when he would do the more cartoony sections, yeah. usually not the sort of main part of the story. And I, I was thrown for a second. I was like, "Wait a minute, what am I? What am I reading?" And uh, so that reminded me of that. I really liked. See, I don't think I, I caught. You know, when we went from the prologue to the to the current stuff, what the sort of timeline I was looking at, because the painter looks like the same person. Well, yeah, that's and that's and that's the thing is that like I don't know either. Like we don't know. It's a, it just uh-huh. some time ago. Um, yeah, and, and the painter, I, I assume the painter in the prologue is the is the artist in the dress and the gown here, um, but right. she does look like Eleanor, the main character. So that's a little confusing. I can see that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, talk about range of Sam Keith. I mean, like to, to go from cartooning to the the, the, the first double page spread that's all kind of like that um, colored pencil kind of look, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, like he really he really shifts gears a lot in this book in terms of art style, like all the way to the Tim Burton esque monster at the end, the guy with the top hat. Yeah. You know, like I, I don't know. I just I like the the range that Sam Keith shows in a in, in twenty pages of a comic book. I think is is just amazing. Here's what I can tell you. Yeah. I understand that you like Sam Keith a lot, and sure. this is a good place for him to be. I've never been into it very much. Um, I wasn't reading it when it first came. I was going to say I wasn't around, but that's not true. Um, I think that, again, I, I was a little lost, but I feel like when I've read his work on its own, I have been completely lost. Yeah. Whereas this, you have the anchor of a guy who knows how to tell a story in a more mainstream, conventional way of, with John Lehman. So I think that that is giving you – Maybe it, maybe it's a better entry. It's a good balance. That's the thing. Is that like yeah. the, thing, the thing about Sam Keith? Is Sam Keith? Sam Keith has always been about um, kind of unfettered or unrestricted creativity. 
in my mind. Yeah. You know, like he he's gone nuts on the page and he draws these kind of amazing, you know, looking monsters and and beings and things like that, but he could also really depict um really strong emotion and personality in in people like, you know, it, it, you know, in turn like you when someone's sad in a Sam Keith book, you get it. You mm-hmm. know, like you totally understand it. Um the Max was great because he worked with William Messner Loeb's on it on the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that that balanced him out. And here, him working with John Lehman is balancing out that creativity and giving it a focus. Um, and I think that's where Sam Keith really shines. And I think Lehman has got, you know, again, an irreverent take on things in that it's just, it's just, it's a lot of fun. So I'm also, I'm also getting that John Lehman seems to be one of those guys who can really target his work for the artist that he's working with. Yeah. I yep. think. Well, that goes, a lot back, of that, pe- that goes back to him being an editor. Like he he started yeah, out as an editor. Yeah, that's true. And, and but yeah, also, yeah. it's a talent. I mean, like he he when he was working with Guillory, like he's like, how how can I tailor this story so that we're working as best together? And then the other guy comes out. Like like Guillory has a chance to shine during that. And I think that's what's happening here. Yeah. He's like, you know, he's he's I'm working with Sam Keith, so we're gonna do a Sam Keith appropriate story. Yep. Um, and that's yeah, that's part talent, part part um experience and everything. But yeah. I think that's interesting. Yeah. So I, I mean I would I, w- I would recommend I mean Josh if you're interested I'll buy you the first two issues if you want to read the whole thing and catch up I mean like I, I think it's a lot of fun um, but I encourage anybody who's curious about you know uh, who who's curious about what John Lehman's doing after Chew and you know clearly this is not you know this isn't a licensed property this is something that Lehman came up with it I love the whimsical mystery angle to it. You know, and then adding in the the star-crossed lover kind of romance thing of you know the the detective falling for the suspect like that's fun, um, and then just like the the out there Gonzo kind of art of Keith is just like it's it just again this is like the things that resonate with me are the things that are unlike anything that are on the stands. Sure. And that's one of the things I love. So uh, definitely strongly recommend it. And and again, like you know, maybe if I read this first, or it may, you know, if it didn't have mm-hmm. that cutaway, who knows? But uh, the the pick of the week could have been by inches. It was nearly uh, the Batman Elmer Fudd special number one from DC. <laughs> So now I wasn't on the show last week. I was I was dealing with a personal matter, um, <laughs> um, a personal matter that involved a lot of barbecue. That's for sure. Um, and so I didn't get to hear, and I haven't listened to the show yet because I, I'm busy. Um, I didn't get to hear your take on these DC Looney Tunes crossovers. But my guess is that you are not a fan. Uh, so far. I think there are parts of them that were interesting. There were parts of the, I think it's like a lot of the, the Hanna-Barbera stuff that they're doing where it's like, all right, this is kind of interesting. For most of it, like, who you, who is this for? Why are you doing well, yeah, this? Well, we, um, so I didn't yeah, read, a, I didn't read the other thing. ones. Yeah. Oh, okay, I so, looked through them. Like, I, I checked them out. I did read the two from this week, though. Yeah. Well, it's um, funny because when Connor and I talked about them two weeks ago when you were off, off the show, when you were dealing with a personal matter um, – the I just love saying that by the way because the 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 suggestion of dealing with a personal matter is that like <laughs> like it's when you're at work like oh I have a personal matter to attend to it's just like ooh what's going like it just it it, it inspires speculation right I just yeah I, 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 I know I I was wondering for a second and I was like wait I know everything that's going on no he's bullshitting okay. <laughs> anyway so so when we read the when we read the first batch I was fairly critical of the Martian Manhunter Marvin the Martian. Because I felt as if the emphasis on making the Looney Tune character fit into the DC comic world didn't work. And that you needed to either meet in the middle a little more or have the DC character come to the Looney Tune side of things more. Like in order for it to work. Just because mm-hmm. the, the Looney Tunes characters are just so cartoonish I, and that I, sort of thing. I agree with you, but I think that that is the easier solution, and that a yeah. talented team, as we're going to see with this that's, book we're talking about, can make it work. Well, that's well, that's to my point because because yeah. Batman Elmer Fudd made me eat my words because Tom yeah. King and the great Lee Weeks, who I'm a big fan of, Lee Weeks. That um, guy, that guy needs to be on a Batman book. Yeah, yeah. It's just that's just stupid that he's not. So they show up with Batman Elmer Fudd. And proceed to take the entire cast of Looney Tunes and place them in Gotham in a way that is completely believable, that is completely, um, uh, I want to say, natural and not weird, and tell a goddamn great noirish, noiry kind of story with Batman and fucking Elmer Fudd. Yeah. <laughs> and the Martian. 
Uh, Marvin well, the Marshall. Every, everyone was in it. So, I know, but so everyone, very specifically, when he said Illudium Q36 Space Modulator, yeah. I was like, that was awesome. Well, yeah, that's Great. the thing. And so, like, the thing is, is that, like, like um, taking the catchphrases and shoehorning them in and things like that can be cringeworthy, right? It can, and, yeah. And we're gonna yeah. Talk, I mean, this is going to be a theme for this episode, because we're talking about it later in this episode. But um, you were saying, Josh, it can be? I mean, it can be, but again, like, there's threading the needle, yep. and that seems to be what happened here. Yes. Um, I mean, if I had any complaint, it's that I have a pro. I hate reading um, like a lot of dialogue that is done in the, uh, the ver- not the yes, vernacular. Yes, in the accent, in the ac- yeah. 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 So like it was a little like oh just. Right oh no! But I, after after two pages, I was laughing. No, I get it. I, yeah. I do, and I like when there were like challenges about how to write it, and I was I was going through it, and I I like the commitment to it. I suppose yep. like I don't even like it when when uh, Garth Ennis does it for you know our space. Like I'm like all right, all right, give me the yeah. the translation, but um. Yeah, I think it, it it really worked, yeah. um, and it worked in large part. I think this the script was really tight, and it was just the right amount of we know this is stupid, and just the right amount of but we're going to take it seriously. And then the the art being just stellar in the same way that with the Flintstones, that does not work without the art being just right. Yeah, yeah no, Lee, Lee Weeks's Lee Weeks's pencils on this were just like absolutely perfect and sold it and he had enough of the characteristics of the characters to make them recognizable but not have it be shove it down your throat and and you know ba- basically what the, the premise of the story is that elmer fudd um is a hitman <laughs> right and he's in love he's fallen in love with silver saint cloud uh, the the famous gotham actress and uh he believes that she's been murdered by a lowlife named bugs who has buck teeth and eats carrots and mm-hmm. and um, and so he goes to kill Bugs for revenge, and Bugs says, "Don't kill me. I was hired by Bruce Wayne." And so Elmer goes, "Okay, well, I'm going to kill Bruce Wayne." And so he goes after Bruce Wayne, only to you know attempt to kill him and not, and have Batman pay him a visit. And then Batman find out that he's talking about Silver Saint Cloud, who Batman is involved with as well. And so they decide to investigate together to get to the bottom of it. And turns out Silver Saint Cloud has rejected both Batman and Elmer Fudd for their violent ways, and. Uh, 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 set up her murder to get you know so, so she can get away from Elmer. Um, very heartbreaking story. And during that, there's a a big bar fight at the bar called Porky's, which is owned by the bartender named Porky, who's got a pug, you know, has got a pig nose. And that's where we see Marvin the Martian, we see Sylvester, and we see we see everybody. Um, and it 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 just worked. I can't believe it, but it worked. Well, yeah, and there was also a little bit of I saw a couple of articles before it came up. You know, before it came out, and they were really touting, and I was like, "All right, let's not oversell this thing." Yeah. You know, I, and, and like I saw one that was like, "This is the best issue of the year," and I was like, "All right, it's really good, but let's, you know, it's a fun thing." Yeah. You know, and, and it's impressive and it's cool, and and it just to, to praise just Lee Weeks one more time, um, from the uh, point of view of constructing a comic book, like he had to design, like it wasn't like he just drew one issue; he had to yeah. redesign all of these characters and do a thing, which I bet was a lot of fun. But it's, yeah. you know, that's a lot of work that went into making this. And also, um, I would like to note that he uh, draw draws Batman in the in the proper costume yep. without yep. any yellow lines or anything like that. It's just the classic black bat on the. On we the were chest. so lucky to get yeah. years of that, and yeah, that was just a standard through the two thousands. And then I want to go, I want to go even further and just say, I think the thing that actually impressed me more was the backup story that was just a straight up cartoon but with batman in it and, yep. and it was pitch perfect yeah it's funny because for me the backups have really been the the moments the highlights because they're yeah. doing both like like earlier yeah. when i said that you put the looney tune characters in the comics and then you put the comics in the looney tunes characters and the backups have done the putting the dc comics into looney tunes and they've been much shorter but they've all been pitch perfect both from an art standpoint as well as a story standpoint and this one was a, this one was great i thought it really was yeah it was really good and this one was also written by tom king with art by byron vaughn's um but yeah no this was this was nearly pick of the week because because this was just so strong, it, it was great stuff. But then, um, but then also came out this week was Jonah Hex Yosemite Sam special, uh, which is written by Jimmy Palmiotti with art by Mark Texera, who I haven't seen in a while. Um, and you're a big Jonah Hex fan. Yeah, I kind of had to read it. Yeah, uh, because of that. Um, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. I did. I liked it. Um, it was. I don't know. I liked that they like Yosemite Sam was actually the good guy. Yep. Like they didn't make him the villain. Like he was. I, that was actually I think a good choice because if you had to watch him being like 
he was kind of competent and tough and short and blowhardy, but he wasn't wasn't a, the bad guy basically. Yeah, no. I thought that was interesting. And it actually provided a pretty nice contrast. You know, if you if you uh, stop thinking about that, it's Looney Tunes. It's almost a pretty straight ahead Jonah Hex story. Um, and then Foghorn Leghorn shows up, and I was like, "All right, respect for just owning that." Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, there's literally like they shoehorn Foghorn Leghorn into it. And I love Foghorn Leghorn, by the way. Yeah. He's one of my favorite of, of all the Legions, I, you know. And there, there's a moment where, like, well, you look mighty weird. And he's like, yes, I do. And then they just moved on. Like, yep. just in, <laughs> and it wasn't a world of lots of pigs and chickens or whatever. Nope. You know, he's just one giant uh, chicken-headed man. Yep. <laughs> and, he, and, the, you know, the dialogue was Foghorn Leghorn. And uh, it, was, it was fine. It was funny. It was maybe, you know a skosh too long. I was like, all right, I get it. Let's move what I, along. What I like is literally how they deal with it is that when he introduces himself in, you know, uh, I say, allow me to introduce myself, right? And he's part of the circus folk, right? And then Yosemite Sam says, I've never seen a fellow look like you before. And he goes, that's all right. And then can I pay you back? And then they just go on. Like they never yep. explain it or anything, which is nope. bravo, Jimmy Palmiotti. Yep. Bravo. Don't need it. <laughs> Um, I felt I was I was trying to see if I could feel the absence of Justin Gray, who was uh, Palmiotti's um, writing partner for yeah, or, all or those. Or Amanda Connor, who's been Jonah yeah, Hex. Yeah. Well, no, but Jonah Hex specifically, like they co-wrote right, every issue yeah. together. And I think I'd noticed it a little. Okay. Um, There's just a, a little bit different. Jimmy's a little less subtle. Then, then I think that's why I'm guessing Justin Gray added to it. Um, but it, you know, it was a, it was a fun, it was, that was a fun Jonah Hex issue that was uh, super ridiculous. And then again, the backup was fun. Backup was, was all right. Backup wasn't as strong. I mean, backup was no. written by Bill Matheny with art by Dave Alvarez, which was, it was fine. It was fun. Yeah. Like it was yeah. fun to look at. Basically, yeah. I yeah, like, the, I I like the art style. style. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yep. But um, um, no, I mean, I, I feel like we should have ra- we should have we if we go back in time, we should have ratings these books because they were like the special aspect of it. But th- this was this was the strongest week of the Looney Tunes stuff. Oh I yeah, think. yeah, Easy. by far. Yeah, so um, yeah, I still can't believe that Lee Weeks art. He, uh, I would I would read Batman drawn by Lee Weeks for sure. Every time he shows up in something, and I I'm specifically thinking it was a Batman story he did, and there was remember a Daredevil that, story he did a few no, years ago. Do, yeah, do you remember that? The, now I'm dating myself, but like ten years ago. But do you remember that Captain Marvel story he did? Kind of. He did a Captain Marvel, like it was Captain Marvel to Return or something like that. It was like like, like, like Marvel. Marvel, yeah. And it was just like, God damn, this is good. Yeah, yeah I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, I don't like it, it, this Batman looked like a little bit like if Gabe Hardman had finally gotten to do Batman. Yes, yeah. Um, had a had a lot of that going on, which is I guess not for everyone. Yeah, I mean, it's not even like he. I mean, it's not even like. He, I mean, it's not like he's older and can draw no. less or whatever. You know, what I mean, like he's he, you know, like I think he's. He's born in '62. I mean, like he's you know he, he's a guy. I don't know what he's doing in all this time, but I think he's great. Yeah, so, he is. Yeah. So I really like Defenders number two. So did I. This book is really good. This book, right? This I'm book not, is so. This I'm book not is, wrong. This book is so good that I actually dropped a note to Bendis to tell him that I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a, a couple of things. Immediately, when I first look at it, I'm like, I don't know if Dave Marquez is the right guy to be doing it. Yeah. And then in the middle of it. There was I'm gonna go ahead and call this the best Daredevil page that I have seen since those early days of Chris Omni. Of him landing on the roof? No. It's literally the, fight the page? one the one page spread where you don't even see him. It's just uh, his billy club taking everybody out. Yep. Yes, that page was I, that page I, I was, was amazing. I almost I almost dropped him a note because I was like, yeah. that's that's just that's top level work no, right the, there. And then I, and then the next page him dropping down is also great. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the art on this book, Dave Marquez. Like we've been talking about Dave Marquez, yeah. si- you know, since he did the big event and all the stuff like that. But the Daredevil arriving on the roof to talk to Ben, I was like, whoa! And then even the even the the three pages with Blade and the humor that kind of went with that, like got across the emotion and, and Jessica being concerned and Luke coming out of the coma. But then that Daredevil action action sequence was just yeah. like, wow, those two pages were something special. And even the, the Iron Fist page, where he, you know, like, yeah, like like every, like page after page was was just great. So here's funny is that we have seen every single superhero get like redesigned with a stupid costume. Yeah. Then Blade comes along, whose costume is exactly the same. True. It looks like a redesign, and they're like, "No, we'll just stick with that." It was already stupid. Um, <laughs> it literally but, looks like a DC redesign. Yeah. 
but also what I like about this is that we're two issues in, and like this issue ends like on a, on a pretty big cliffhanger with the inclusion of the Punisher, and mm-hmm. like this is quickly shaping up to be like the street. Le- I mean, I know I mean, it was supposed to mirror the Netflix stuff, which is the street level stuff, or you know whatnot. But like this collection of of, of characters in this um, environment. Is just like yeah, this is the this is a Marvel that I like, and and it's clear that it's like this is almost like why did it take Bendis this long to do something like this? Uh, I mean, well, yeah, I feel like we're, I feel like we're maybe we're getting to a point where Bendis is actually getting back to what he's good at. Yeah, he spent so long with the Avengers; it was good no, for a while. Was, but then, no, but then but then, then the, the X Men detour the Guardians, and the Gu- Guardians, yeah, yeah exactly, yeah, like yeah. that stuff. But these guys, you know, these characters, like he's written Jessica Jones, he's written Daredevil really, really well. Uh, that Daredevil costume is stupid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why I like that one page. He's not in it. Yeah. Um, but I actually thought the weird lighting in the scene. I just kind of was like, wait, is he in the normal costume or not? No, that's well, fine. Um, it was really good. And like at the end, I was like, you know, it's a pretty cliched move to put in Punisher at the very end. Uh, yeah. but I was like, I'm, I'm okay. It. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah. No issue. I really like the way that that was told. Actually, when the three of them were shot. Yeah. They're going to be like trying bolts but whatever no this is yeah exactly but this is this is uh, this is great i mean there's two issues yep. in and and like if they time this for the trade to be out when the show comes out then i will tell people who are watching the show to go pick this up because this, yep, this yeah this is smart. great yeah so so when i finished this i was like oh that could be a pick of the week that's definitely a possibility um and then what i guess my pick would have been i was gonna say did, did you then remember that i had the pick <laughs> no no i just think what would i a lot of times i'll be like oh Good luck with all that. Right. When I don't have the pick, which is great. Um, but I, I would have gone with um, Rebels, uh, these free and independent states, number four, <laughs> which is, I mean, I know Connor can't be here and you don't have to listen to me talk about it for a really long time. But I think this is either the second to last or, or maybe there's two more of these. Basically, it's a story of this guy uh, who is the son of the guy from the first miniseries that they did, which, again, I don't know how this miniseries exists. I don't know who buys it. I don't I can't imagine there's an audience for it. But it's uh, but during the War of 1812. And this guy, he's sort of uh, um, um, basically like an autistic guy who builds ships and he's excellent at that but he's bad at everything else so you know like a high functioning uh kind of thing and and so he's bad he's on the ship because he needs to be there but he's bad at doing everything else that would go along with sort of military service or being an officer or whatever but he knows ships really well but the guy who's the captain of the ship is sort of his big patron um and there's a huge military battle between the ships that go out at sea which is great i've never seen that or haven't seen it very often in comics and it's it's really fun to watch um and the captain dies and so everybody else who sort of didn't understand him or like him or realize how important he was because he designed the ship and had it built and is there, you know, they turn on him basically and they accuse him of mutiny and sort of it ends with him sort of rotting in the brig. Um, really fun, you know, War of 1812 naval battle, U.S. versus uh, U.K. Um, you know, it's it's my jam. It's definitely not Ron's jam. Uh, but <laughs> Andrea Moody, you know, like is perfect for this, has been all along. The character work has been really subtle and strong all the way through. Um, you know, this is we, we talk about Brian Wood sort of uh, a, a lot more reverently sort of as time goes on in terms of his work. And he just he's really learned what to put there and what not to. And, and he doesn't give too much. And it's a very not it's like a mainstream style, but done without any of the bombast. So it's it's like almost a tough sell if you're not interested in sort of the basic uh, topics and the kind of theme that's going on. But right. for me, I am, and it's uh, you know I don't I don't read many of these stories, and I love these kind of stories. So it's really cool to see somebody applying all this sort of talent to it. It's funny because it's like yeah, this is this these books are like made for you and Connor, and yep. I'm glad that they're not bad. It's really good, yeah, and I've read know, like. Yeah. I've seen a lot that come out where I'll, I'll, I'll go, oh, I'll check that out. And they're bad. Like, they're very yeah. off. That's the other thing. Like, there's not a lot of Revolutionary War movies because they're bad. Right. Not because Revolutionary War is not interesting, but the people who made the movies are not good. World War One is another one of those. You know, yeah. when you watched it in Wonder Woman, you thought, I don't know anything about this war. And it's because the movies they've made from it are shitty, mostly, other than Paths of Glory, which everyone should watch. Um, <laughs> so when you get somebody good on that sort of subject, it can be really, really a special thing for those of us who like that and hopefully you know other people can can catch up with it but if, if you haven't if you read that first rebel series i'm guessing this has even less word of mouth on it than the first one these are out there and they exist from dark horse and you should go read them all right there it is all right so before we talk about more comics you should read i just want to take a moment to tell you that uh if you enjoy ratings 
or if you enjoy, or if you enjoy iFanboy or any of the fun stuff, you should go check out our T-shirt store that is up at iFanboy iFanboy.threadless.com, um, and you can get to it by going to iFanboy.com. There's a link straight there to the T-shirt store as well. Um, and there we got a bunch of T-shirt designs. We got more on the way. In fact, I've got like two or three that are currently in progress uh, that you have not seen yet, Josh, but hopefully soon. Um, and uh, we'll be rolling out new designs, so definitely check them out. But currently, you can go pick up the iFanboy logo shirt. You can pick up the classic Herm shirt that is in no way inspired by anything um or you can pick up the the pick of the week podcast recording shirt with art by uh artist lars brown um or the brand new shirt ratings uh, ratings ratings uh that i got a compliment on while in texas last weekend so while i was wearing ratings. it so we said nice shirt I said, you were rated i was rated ratings um so that so buying a t-shirt from uh ifanboy threadless is a great way to help support ifanboy but if you're looking for more direct ways to help support ifanboy you can go to ifanboy.com support there you'll find a link to shop over at amazon and doing so by clicking that link and shopping at amazon from ifanboy you help us out in the process we get a little cut from amazon not from you no money from you at all it all comes from amazon let's be honest they can afford it um if you'd like to give us a direct donation saying, hey, I like what you do. Here's some change, kid. Uh, you could do that via PayPal. Uh, and we thank everybody who's done that recently. You guys are all very, very generous. And also, eccentric billionaires, we are for sale. Um, and finally, uh, the Also, if Amazon wants to acquire me, yes, let's that, talk. That is, that is an option. That is an option. Um, and finally, the best way to help support iFanboy and the most direct way is to go to patreon.com slash iFanboy. And that's where you can become a supporting member of the iFanboy patron nation. And we thank everybody there. Uh, some of the perks you get by becoming an iFanboy patron is you get your name up on the website. You, you can go, go, there's a thank you page. If you, have, you guys haven't seen that, go check that out. I just updated it recently. Um, as well as you can sign up, you get some free swag, you get some pins and stickers, as well as comics from our collection, literally from our long box into your hands if you sign up at the right level. And of course, what everybody loves and everyone's waiting for is we're giving out dumb patron names to anybody who signs up for $5 or higher, um, and we'll do that later in the show today. And of course, all iFanboy patrons get to participate in two things. Uh, one is you get to help vote on a book for us to discuss in the podcast, and we'll be talking about that later in the show as well. And you get to participate in our monthly patron hangouts, which are a ton of fun, more fun than Josh wants to admit. Um, they're fun yeah so if you're on the fence now is the time because we are a little a little more a little less than $400 away uh, from reaching our next goal which is where we will add another podcast to our release schedule where we talk about something not comics related whether it's movies or TVs or book or music or uh, technology I don't know um, dating food wine anything um, so <laughs> probably not those last two out of three well I could do an hour on food I know that wasn't what I meant. Oh, okay, <laughs> the, the wine. It's the wine where I think that we really, yeah. we're not good at it. Yeah, <laughs> no, we're not. I just, I literally drink whatever you put in front of me, um, which is going to get me in trouble someday. Uh, anyway, so go to patreon.com slash iFanboy, sign up. We thank everybody for their support. Uh, let's go back to the comics. Um, you might remember a couple of months ago, uh, one of my picks of the weeks was another indie book called The Dregs. Um, from Black Mask, it was kind of a, uh, a, a noir-esque sad tale of, uh, Vancouver where the city's homeless were being, uh, or giving bad drugs to overdose and then being cooked by a restaurant. Really, wow. fucking, really fucking dark. Um, so uh, the Dregs number four came out this week. This wraps up the story. It's, it's, it's the last issue. You can pick this up in trade when it comes out. Um, and it wraps up in as dark and oblique of a way as you would imagine. Uh, our poor protagonist uh, is unable to save the city and uh, wrestles with uh, just you know succumbing to his addiction or pulling his life together. Um, and it ends in a nice little black and white kind of Raymond Chandler kind of uh, dialogue-y kind of fashion. Um, overall, really, really impressed by the whole team on this book. Zach Thompson, Lonnie Nadler, and Eric, and I know you listen, and I'm sorry because I can't pronounce your last name, Zodwiski or something like that. I know you even told me how, and I can't remember. But um, check out the dregs. I, I, I enjoyed it a lot. This is a really good ending. It was a really good miniseries. You sure it wasn't David Laugham? No, it wasn't Laugham. It sounded. It sounds very, it's very Laugham-esque, which is good. So, but. Yeah. I don't mean to get back on the Bendis is awesome now train because i'm sure i'll get mad about something stupid he does no. um but infamous iron man number nine came out and and so good not just not, not that like i was reading it and i was like wait a minute this is a fantastic four book yeah yep i was like in the middle of this i was like this is a fantastic four book and you know we read what we read so often that you know taking fantastic four away and then bringing it back for just a little bit is like oh i think i've missed you yep 
And it's sort of the early, like, Johnny and, and uh, Ben Grimm can't stand to be around each other too much because it's just too painful. Yeah. And they have, like, a, a, a you know, a secretive meeting in a, in a diner or something like that. And it was like, this is, I'm really, really, really interested. And then um, Doom's mother, whose name, I'm not Morgana Le Fay. Morgan Le Fay uh, kidnaps him from S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, it's, it's a really good cliffhanger as sort of a single issue kind of thing goes. And I, I'm really interested in this book. <laughs> I'm real. I'm really enjoying. Honestly, I'm really enjoying everything Bendis is doing with Iron Man. Um, yep. Either either it being uh, Doom as Iron Man or the Riri Williams stuff as Ironheart. Um, it, like he's, it's really really good. So yeah, uh, I did yeah. it a lot. I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it as well too. I mean, it was it was like I was like, this is great. This is real. I was almost uh, I'm almost surprised every time with this because you're if you told me the story was always oh, Doctor Doom as Iron Man. Yeah, you know. But I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. So I like that. Uh, Lucifer number 19 came out this week. Apparently this is the last issue of Lucifer, which was uh, a – I don't know. I get these things wrong. But at the end, it's at the end. And it was like they taught up every single storyline. Um, basically, uh, God had been replaced by a mean God, a sort of different version of it. And it was Lucifer's job to sort of – take him down and then he had to install somebody else as god and there were like five of these characters sitting around who were just humans and he was like well one of you has to be god i don't care which and he walks out of the room and they're all kind of arguing with each other and it's sort of that whole life is a joke kind of thing it was a really good miniseries a really good uh take on this character uh you know based on mike carey's uh 65 ish issues probably a decade or so ago uh, really fun. Uh, this came out, started about the same time as the new Hellblazer series started up, and they were both pretty good at the beginning, but uh, Hellblazer, which also came out this week, really lagging behind uh, in quality. But this was this was really a lot of fun. It was good. It was 19 issues, so. Okay. Um, great art by Lee Garbett through the whole thing, too. Lee Garbett. I like Lee Garbett a lot. Yep. So. Really good. Excellent. All right. And so as we mentioned earlier, uh, supporting iFanboy patrons can vote on a book every week. You can vote for a comic book that you want us to discuss. And uh, if you go to patreon.com slash iFanboy, if you're a supporting patron, um, there's this lively discussion and debate on the post uh, every week. And it's a lot of fun to watch um, as long as we keep it friendly, folks. Let's remember that as well, too. Um, And so this week's uh, patron pick uh, was uh, clue number one from IDW. Uh, written by Paul Allure with art uh, by Nelson Daniel, and uh, this was uh, it was not when when the patron voting started. This this came up from the bottom. Another, in fact, uh, I believe uh, Elmer Fudd Batman was the was the pick for most of Wednesday, and then Clue kind of blew right past it and ended up with taking the the top pick. Um, and for those who aren't aware, I'm actually a big fan of Clue. The movie the, or the game? Both. Okay. I figured I, that. I just I, wanted to. I the, the, uh, spent hours playing the game as a kid. Love the, love the game of Clue. Just I love how it was different every time and it was deduction and it was, this, oh, it was just a really good game. Hold on. This isn't supposed to sound sad, but it's going to. Okay. Oh, Didn't you have to have three people to play that game? I can think it didn't. It was one of those games that, like, I had, but it didn't work with two people, and I never had a third person to play oh, with. Oh, I have no idea. I, I, I don't remember going, oh, I don't have enough people. Like, I, I always had friends. Like, I remember having it, but being like, we can't ever play this because there's not enough people around. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. I had friends. It's not sad. It's just <laughs> it's just a fact. Anyway, um, so, yeah, so I love the game, but then I now, continuing as an adult, I adore the movie. Um, I love, love, love the Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Michael McKean, Martin Mull. I mean, the, the movie uh, leaving the movie, the movie represents a a certain point in time, right? Uh, uh, Martin Mull. I mean, like, <laughs> like it just—it's this like mid '80s, coming out of the late '70s kind of actors and actresses, and and I, to th- to this day, I quote it on a regular basis. So I love, love, love Clue. So when I saw that this was both out as well as the patron pick, um, I, I I got a little worried. So you would have had more fun doing this with Connor. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fine. It's not. I don't. I'm aware of the movie. I've seen it. I don't love. It's not one of my favorite. It's one of my wife's favorite movies, though. So I'm not. She has taste, unlike you. Well, she has different taste. No, it's, she has good. It taste. is a subjective thing. Well, about some things. Um, <laughs> not everything, obviously. <laughs> no, I mean, like no one can live up to my impeccable standards, which don't live up to your impeccable standards. So <laughs> who can even say about these things? But it was very much done in the like. I, I don't. So I didn't really have any expectations, I guess. But it was very much done in the style of the movie. It was just well, without... yeah, well, yeah, well. So okay, well. So before we get into the book, 
I, my, I, I, as I'm reading this and as I was telling my girlfriend about it, uh, the question that has now become a catchphrase for the show was, who is this for? Because I don't know. That's a good point. Because, 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 so basically, like, like, I mean, the, the, yeah, the, the comic is done. The only similarity that the comic has to the movie is that it's the same premise of there's a dinner party that all these people are invited to, but that's the premise of the game, right? So that's, sure. that wasn't original to the movie. And but the decision. The butler is a smart ass and he knows what's going on and he's talking to us. Yeah. Like, these are. Really, yeah. that's not from the mo- from the game. That's right. from the movie. And so, like, I also want to, I also want to, also want to caveat that Paul, the uh, Paul Allor, and probably mispronouncing his last name, Allor, 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 yeah, Allor. Um, great guy, great writer. Like, he's been, he's been a longtime member of our little comics community, you know, for a long time. And so, I don't want to disparage him in any way or disparage anything. But I just really like, I feel like there was a bunch of decisions that were made in this book that I just that I was like ah, and mainly being the fact that. And maybe this, you know, it, this is a licensed book. Hasbro owns the rights to, to Clue, so maybe they, they say this is what we want to do or whatever. But the updating of the characters to match m- having this take place today and changing Miss Scarlet to be an Australian pop star and Mr. Green to be a Martin Shkreli kind of, you know, uh, pharma bro, you know, and like, and like the subtle character changes to make them modern made me cringe a little. And then further... Um, I don't breaking the fourth wall, having the having the butler talk to us as the reader and acknowledge that this is a comic book I, I made made me cringe a little more. That said, on the positive side, I like the fact that they drop clues in the comic outside of the comic. Like in the physical book, there's a clue in the inside cover. There's more pages after the back matter. Like they made it fun to read as it should because clue is interactive. So I like that angle of it. It's just the 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 setting and the characterization and then the fourth wall stuff made me struggle a little. So I'm going to disagree with you on almost all of the things. All right. Wow. Good. Sort of. Not really. I, I, I hear what you're saying. But the opposite of making these characters updated was just to do the characters again, and what would be the point of that? Right, and, and I can't necessarily say that just just do the movie and have it take place in the fifties and all that sort of stuff makes sense. I, I I would you know if they did that, I'd be like, oh, that's unfortunate. You know what I mean? So I I, I get that I'm building in an impossible expectation, much like most of our life. I think that I think that who is it for? It's for people who remember that and want some more, or it's for you know I think this is one of those movies that kids who are younger than us find yeah. and like. Yep. Uh, so, you know, it's just a, a new outlet to that. And it's like, well, what can you do with this? And so to me that I don't think you had any other choice, but to make up new characters. Well, they're the um, same characters. Think, they just they're the same. I mean, I know, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they're based on, you know, the stuff in the game, but they're just names, you yeah. know, with, with sort of basic and, archetypes. And in Paul's defense, I, I recently played Clue with my nieces and it's a new version of Clue and they have sure. been upda- they've been updated in the game of as well. They have. And in fact because the they game, shouldn't the, make things for old people. The ga- I know. The game also cuz we ruin things. That's us men in our fat men in our 40s are ruining everything. Um but uh in the game not only have they updated the characters but they also the board flips now and one side is the mansion and the other side is a Santa Cruz-esque beach boardwalk scene. Oh yeah, and like, and the, and instead of there being rooms, it's like go to the surf shop, go to the smoothie stand. Go to oh, the, yeah. So 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 to carry on, I mean, I think that I'm guessing that that reimagining of the characters or sort of recasting them a little bit that either could have come from you know, look, what's your pitch for this, or what would you do differently? And I I understand that choice, or it could have just been a, a mandate from the licensor. Um, so then the the next thing is like, how do you build that game and that movie, and I, th- I think he did take from the movie in sort of a format sense, yeah, um, into a narrative comic book story. Um, and to me, the the like I'd I'd be that's hard to do this kind of mystery romp thing in within the format of a comic because so I was impressed by that, yeah. but it, it should be said, uh, it's totally not, I'm I'm not that audience. Like I don't care, right. If, if that makes it like, I don't want to look for clues. I don't want to have an interactive <laughs> reading experience. I want you to tell me a story and entertain me. And and there are people who have more attention and time and energy than I do who this is probably great for. Right. Um, so I actually read this twice. 
Okay. Because I tried to read it last night after being on like a two day long driving trip with my kids. And I was like, I, I went right through me. <laughs> um, but I read it again today and I was like, oh, okay, this is actually really well done and, and interesting. And, and it's actually unique as a comic book, I think. Um, that said, like, it's, I don't really care. I don't care who did it. I don't care who won. It's, I, I don't want to do the thing. But if you are into this thing, I think I can safely say that this is really pretty good. That's what I think I would go with. The, uh, the art also by uh, Nelson George, uh, whose name I know. I think he worked with Jason Ciaramella on The Cape, maybe? Nelson, Nelson Daniel. Nelson Daniel, sorry. Nelson George is somebody else, like an actor. Okay. Anyway, um, Nelson Daniel, uh, who's – I really like his work a lot basically. Yeah. I, think I, I, the- I, got, I got a lot of early Riley Rossmo proof vibe from this. Yeah. From the yeah. art. You know, like like not as messy Riley Rossmo but like the restrained. I, I actually really like the art. I did like the yeah. art a lot. So, yeah. And you've got all these different characters that he can't, you know, he can't distinguish one another with a superhero suit, um, and they can do it a little bit with color because that's, you know, the, the, that's the that's the, the that's the game, yeah, Professor. But Plum. I, I thought the character designs were strong for a, basically what were a bunch of humans. Um, I thought it was fun. I thought this was probably as good as you could do this kind of thing. Yeah, without having, you know. Frank Miller on it, or something, you know. I mean, without without sort of bringing in the huge guns of comic book making. I, I was I was impressed. Yeah. So in I, in the game, um, the the so the game was created in 1949, which is interesting by a guy in Leeds, um, Leeds, England. Um, and in the game now, the man it's it, the game is set in a mansion in Massachusetts in 1954, which is what the which is what the movie picks up on, right? Mm-hmm. And the and the movie plays up the communism you know kind of the 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 social satire of the time right you know like the fear of communism you know like and things like that um with it being set now i know there were little things that were changed you know like so uh, mrs white was changed into you know she's a senator um and you know and colonel mustard cuban senator she's yeah. cuban she's cuban american yeah and um and colonel Mu- colonel mustard was a general in afghanistan right so they're updating that i would have liked to have seen a little more social like so not social commentary but social reference to how those roles fit in today as opposed to it being a little more madcap which goes back to who is this for you know like is this for kids I, to kind of I, go along with the game then sure this is fine but uh, you know as as i as, think it's treading a line yeah. like i think that those things are there and i mean like basically you've got commerce versus government you have government yeah. talk you have this i mean these are the issues of the day as far as i'm concerned you've yeah. got this this pharmaceutical thing so healthcare is a big deal uh the different yeah. uh, government people the general person then you have a celebrity pop star person you know those are everything that's wrong with our world as far as i can tell right so it's there you know and and he's got what 20 pages yeah like i said like i i I think it's in keeping with that okay all right all right so that said ratings 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 four four i had to think wow four that's a very high rating for you um my rating i give it a three uh, sticking with it. I want to say yes, but I probably won't. Yeah, I'm not going to stick with it. So. It's, I think it's a really impressive exercise of a thing that I don't you know. It's like, isn't this a great reggae album? Yeah, yes, it I is. don't know. I don't know if it's imp- if it's really impressive. I think it's a good exercise, um, but I don't know. You know, again, I don't know if I'm super impressed. I and, and like if you took away the fourth wall stuff, and even if you had the fourth wall stuff, but didn't like have half a page dedicated to showing the editor, like it, it could be. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't like that. Yeah, I, I just a little too self indulgent for me, and that that turns me off usually. So, um, but okay, but it's, well, it's playful, and I liked yeah. that it was play. Yeah, I, I liked that part of it. Yeah. The pro the problem is is that like I think the thing with this is that it's it it's a harmless comic book, right? Sure. And and in that I don't think it and again I know it's hard with licenses and I know that it's you know challenges with working with you know kind of publishers like IDW and things like that who are basically you know you know the Hasbro property farm is their client right exactly but I guess you know the the problem is that it's it's, I mean, it, it's just, it's basically, I mean, Clue is the product, is the game. That's that's the best thing it's got going for it. And I would have liked to have seen a little more pushing the boundaries to make it something more than just the game. But I get it. So there it is. 
I mean, if if I had a, it's innocent. It's innocent in that way. But I think it it's a board game. Like yeah, it's, exactly. It's, yeah. I feel like it's pushing on those things as probably as much as it's allowed to. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um, I, all right. I mean, if I had any criticism, I think that it sticks to the uh, you know the idea of the movie. It didn't reinvent that. Right. Yeah. Which sticks to the idea of the game, though, which makes sense. Sure. Which, which but, you know, which I get that as well too. Um, I don't know. I would. I, I would have. I, I maybe like. I get not going back to 1954 for the movie and the game would make sense. But if you're gonna do it now, I would like it to be a little more biting. And then if not, then maybe do it in 1974. You know, give me a different time period. I don't know. I, I'm just. You that's know, a, that's all. I know. That's I know. a roll of the dice. Yeah, I know. So. All right, well, if you want to vote on a book for us to talk about, you can go to patreon.com slash ifanboy, sign up, become a patron at any level, even a dollar a month, uh, less than a candy bar now, because we live in a horrible world where candy bars cost more than a dollar. You could vote on a book for us to uh, talk about on on the show. And yet we're all still getting fat. I know, it's crazy. Every week, um, we think of a few people who have supported us at patreon.com slash ifanboy, which I believe Ron has already touched on. Um, And we give them dumb superpowers. Maybe not dumb. Sometimes when they're not dumb, it's unintentional. They're supposed to be dumb. And then we're like, well, they're just kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ron, you're up first. All right. We want to uh, thank Thomas Cronin for helping support iFanboy. And Thomas Cronin is a living antenna. Go on. So, basically, you got a TV with an antenna. It's got shady reception. He puts his hand on the TV. It pops into clear, clear, clear view. You got a radio. You can't quite make out the ball game. He puts his hand on the radio. Crystal clear. He but he's going to stay there? He, yeah, he's, that's, the, that's the problem. He's got to stay there. I feel there. like I've lived this. I feel like <laughs> I've been that guy, and it's not a good job. No, it's not. He has to be holding on the device, but he can receive things loud and clear, crystal clear, and can, and guess, and help the, uh, the the device trying to receive it. So I guess you really did want a story from 1974. Yeah. Because this is what life was then, as I understand it. I've li- I have a little glimpse of it from the past. Yeah. Uh, Alan Travis, um, he's a time traveler. Really? He can travel 10 seconds forward or backward. Wow. Only 10 <laughs> seconds, though. Only 10 seconds. Okay, so he can, he can, he can jump ahead. It's kind of like he's like a living choose-your-own-adventure. Well, imagine that you're can in he go back? So, so wait, okay, so it's, um, it's, it's, it's 103. I can jump ahead 10 seconds in time to hear whether this is going to be a funny joke. Here it's not. Can I go back and then tell another joke? Is 10 seconds enough leeway to do anything with that? This is the challenge that Alan lives with. Uh, say, for example, that you fall down the stairs. If you stop, he comes, he comes to a rest before 10 seconds is up, he can go over and prevent that or at least – or, you know, like you've knocked something over on the table. You, you drop your phone in the toilet. These kinds of things. Yeah. I feel like you could do something with that. I feel like 10 seconds is... I mean, I did write it, so... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. Um, And so so my last patron I want to thank is... Well, you get another one, but uh, next two. I want to thank Kyle France for helping support iFanboy. And Kyle has the ability to not get dizzy. He can spin and spin and spin and spin. Won't get dizzy. He can that go would have on, been he, useful he can this go, weekend. I was going to say, yeah. He can go on the Gravitron at the Carney uh, Traveling Carnival and not get dizzy. He can, mm-hmm. uh, wherever, he, whatever it might go on, he just, he's got, always got a center of balance, so. Okay. Uh, we had to actually stop the, the, the Tilt-A-Whirl ride. Really? Why? So that so my wife could get off. <laughs> so. And the kids were, they were totally into it. And I was like, I don't think I'm allowed to have fun right now because it's very fun. And the last time that I went on it, like a year ago, I thought maybe I can't handle this anymore. But this year I came back strong. So I just learned not to do it right after lunch. (laughs) Uh, Not so with her. She had to get off immediately. Um, And then then we went and did stuff by ourselves for an hour while she sat and recollected herself. Being old (laughs) is fun. (laughs) Rob Carmack can always jump the line. One way or another, he's getting to the front of that line. He does not wait in lines. Yeah. All right. It's 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 a little like um, is he like cutting? Long shot. Is, is he cutting and people don't realize? Or? Nah, it's a little like long shot. He can just get there. He's persuasive. He's either putting off pheromones or he's doing something that people. He gets to the front line and people aren't mad at him for it. Wow. You know what? Right this way, Mr. Carmack. Really? Are you sure it's gonna be fine? No. It's please. It would be our pleasure. And everyone lines like, yeah, sure, totally, go ahead. It's like long it, shot, it applies yeah. to merging on the highway. Nice. So that, that, that's a power uh, in of itself. <laughs> you know, public mass transit. Uh, air, I mean, airports are 
he doesn't even know uh, sort of what you know like not only is it you're the front of the line to get in like through security or get onto the plane or whatever but like when there's a delay they're immediately like oh here you just go get on this plane you'll get where you need to oh well thank you and he's very polite about it. he's very deferential uh it's just it's a happy accident that happens for him all right. Well, there you go. Good job, Thomas, Allen, Kyle, and Rob. Thank you for your support. Go to patreon.com slash ifanboy uh, where you can uh, become a supporting member and get your own superpowers. So let's do some email. Okay. First up is Matt Kelly from East Northport, New York, who seems like a plant. Represent. <laughs> <laughs> my brother and I were reminiscing about our first convention experience, uh, first convention experience, which happened to be an Ithacon show in the early 90s. I remember you guys went to school in Ithaca, New York, and I'd love to hear about each of your first con experiences. Maybe it was one of the Ithacon gatherings. I've been thinking about this question since Ithacon 93, Ithacon 18 maybe, where my brother Brian won a trivia contest hosted by William Messner Lobes, who got name checked earlier in the show and his prize was a can of spam. <laughs> that's so nerdy. That's that's I know where that nerdy stuff is coming from, and it's it's comforting in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> your now your first show, my first show was it at the con? It was with you after you tried to kill yep. me in a snowstorm. But I imagine that was not your first uh, convention. No, actually it wasn't. Yeah. Well, so let's tell the well. So first off, Matt, good to see you from East Northport. Uh, always good to see somebody from the hometown. Um, although I am from Northport, not East Northport, but we won't make that distinction. Um, I, fun fact, East Northport located south of Northport, not east. Go Wacky figure. shit out there. Um, so, yeah, so our, so our first con experience together was Ithacon 98, 99. I forget what year it was. I don't know what number it was, but Kurt Busiek was the featured guest, and it was a snowy day, and uh, I hit a patch of ice on a hill and wrecked a sob. And I was able to drive away from the accident. <laughs> Remember the put, not a mark. And the port, no, no, I, I screwed up my front left bumper. That, that that panel was screwed up. But we went to the con. Like we still went. We went to the con. Yeah, but uh, and I remember I broke the 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 the, the girl who I hit I was driving a sob, and basically like my front left hit her front left tire, and I think I broke her axle. Wow. Yeah, which is, I felt bad. Like, she was, nope. th- yeah. And, Your and, company's not around anymore? Sob. Our, yeah, exactly. In our defense, it was icy, it was a light snow, and I was I was going maybe 10 miles an hour. I was going very slowly down the hill. It was super snow, but and it was one of those things where you turn the wheel and... Uh, nothing uh, happened. Uh, nothing. And you and I spent a good 20 seconds motioning for her to move. <laughs> I remember that we're going move, move, move and she move. didn't. So. <laughs> sort of like the the crippled swimmer kind of. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man. And then I believe we left you there, and you made your way down later. Right. Yes. I do not remember how I got there though. Yeah. I might have driven. I don't know. Anyway, so that um, was so we went to we went to Ithacon. That was fun. We saw Kurt Busiek in a in a in a high school. Like I think it was at like the Ithaca, Ithaca High School, I think it was, whatever. But my my first con experience was earlier was actually in late middle school, and it was Icon, which and I, I don't know what year or what number it was, but it was Icon. Um, it must have been 1990 or 91, and that was at Stony Brook University on Long Island. And Icon historically was like a sci-fi con you know like that sort of thing um and comics had a little bit of a presence this is how old it was um marvel had a table there not in the main exhibit hall but like outside and bob harris was manning the table and that's where i had a very awkward conversation with him about whether or not jim lee was related to stan lee had you and you had not i'd I'd never i'd never seen jim lee is this is this is before image and Jim uh-huh. Lee was the hot artist, and I was like, oh, are they related? And he's like, oh, no, they're not. He didn't tell me that Jim Lee was Asian. He didn't say that at all. He just said, no, they're not related. And I was like, oh, you sure? Because they're both Lee. And like, <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, and keep, keep, keep in mind, this is like 1990s, so we don't have the internet. We don't have social media. We don't have all this stuff. I didn't know what, they, what the dude looked like. And so, yeah. yeah, so that was very awkward. And I believe was, I think, oh no, and then I talked to Bob Harris about Wills Portacio. I was like, that Wills Portacio guy's amazing. He's like, yeah, he's really good. I was like, oh, thanks. Um, and if memory serves, at that con, I bought a resin statue of Wolverine that you could put together and paint yourself. Okay, yep. I and, those. and then I do believe I bought the, a photocopied script of the Twin Peaks pilot. 
Wow, you are on brand. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> Awkward conversation with the head of the X-Men group. Yeah. <laughs> Wolverine paintable statue and a Twin Peaks script. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my story of that show will always be um, uh, connected with uh, Walt Simonson because we went down there. And there was a line, never been to a show. I really literally had no idea about what it was or what to expect. Or it was it was all sort of new. I'd only started re, re you know, getting back into comics in the last year or so from that. Um, thanks to our our friend Connor and, and a couple of his friends who I had lived with who had a bunch of comics around. So and I had been a comic reader for a little while in sort of the eleven, twelve, thirteen area, and then I stopped. Um and but I remembered uh Walt Simonson because his art and his Thor stories had made a complete impact on me when I was a kid. So I never forgot him. He saw I was there and I was, people were getting sketches and I was like, oh, okay, I borrowed a piece of paper from somebody. Um, and I asked him, can you draw a Thor uh, with the hammer? Like, nice. cause he was just doing head sketches. I was like, but can you put the hammer in it? And so what I got, it was a headshot basically with his sort of hair, his hand above his head, like holding the hammer sideways, which I'm miming now for nobody's benefit but myself. <laughs> um, you know, but it's sort of in perspective and he's got that big hand. Um, and, and he was like, oh, okay. And for a second, it was like, is this okay to ask? He was, he had that look like, I don't know if you can ask me for this. And I didn't know that I couldn't. So he did it. And then when he was done, he showed it to his wife, uh, Louise or Wheezy. Uh, and he was impressed with himself. Nice. And he was like, look at that. That's an and, and I was very happy. It is on my wall to this day. I'm yeah, so proud of that. that. And then, you know, 20 years later, now probably it was probably 16 years later at the time, you know, I met him, uh, at the con, you know, we interviewed him for the show and everything. And he is, uh, He's like every bit the guy you want a guy who you really, really respect and like to be. Yeah. You know, to this day. Um, so I, I really I really love that memory. It's, it's yeah. sort of a great moment. Great. Good memories. All right. So if you have a question and if you want to make us go down memory lane, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com to get your question on the show. Uh, make sure you mention your name, where you're from. Uh, kudos if you're from Northport or the greater Northport Huntington area in New York. Uh, <laughs> let us know how long you've been thinking about your question. And you can also send in an MP3 or a audio file if you want us to play a voicemail. So it's always good to hear from you. Um, and thank you, Matt, for writing in. I'll see you at uh, Paradise Pizza. I didn't know where that was going to go. <laughs> I'll see. I'll see you at the Carvel. I'll see you at the deli. Can I tell you the deli in Northport? They make the best iced tea, and it still comes in, the, in a styrofoam cup. And every time I go there, my girlfriend's like, "How is that legal?" <laughs> it's like I don't know. <laughs> just where's like, he getting these? Like you, like I haven't seen a piece of styrofoam between San Francisco and New York City. I haven't seen this piece of styrofoam in years. And then I go back to Long Island and I get this like oversized styrofoam cup full of uh, iced tea. And I'm pretty sure the styrofoam affects the taste of the iced tea. Oh, it's it's, it's it, if nothing else is a tactile thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, the the, the squeak, you know, the uh-huh. yeah, yeah, that's great. It doesn't. Uh... It doesn't um, sweat through the cup. No, yeah, no, it's great. The way that plastic I mean, styrofoam works. is. I mean, sure, it doesn't degrade for this. a million I love years. This. Keep going. <laughs> Go on. Oh, I can't wait. I mean, let's say you know, sure. There's 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 an entire landfill in Comac that goes up about six stories full of styrofoam, but it really was effective for from a beverage holding device and keeping it cold. Oh, it's great. So <laughs> styrofoam gets a bad rap. <laughs> Along with chlorine gas and uh, yeah, listen, <laughs> Listen, all I know is that my walls have never retained heat better than when there was asbestos in them. <laughs> Tell you something, that DDT got rid of the bugs. <laughs> Say what you will, it got rid of the bugs. <laughs> So we've got a couple of podcasts coming up you should be knowing about. Uh, there is a talk explode for June. Yes, I recognize what you're thinking now. Um, but it will be coming out very soon. It's lined up. There's a little bit of a scheduling uh, conflict. And here's why. Creator has a new baby. And if you know anything about new babies, you got to work around that a little bit. So yeah. that's going to happen, I think, in the next week. I think you will have this in the next week. But it's a creator I'm super excited to talk about, about books that I know a lot of the listeners care about. So it'll be cool. good times. And then we will have a book explode for July. And I believe we're, we're determining the book. We'll probably figure that out next week. So we'll tweet. We'll let everyone know what it is. We'll let you know on the show next week when we know what that is as well. Um, also coming up uh, next week opens Spider-Man Homecoming, the next comic book movie that we will be discussing. Uh, and I know that I know that head of Geek.com Chris Radke is quite effusive about it. Everyone's been raving. The, the advanced reviews yep. have been great. Um, I've got my tickets to see it next week. Very excited. Uh, so we will definitely get a group together of some folks to talk about it at some point. So 
And then, of course, uh, if you're watching Twin Peaks on Showtime, you should be listening to my other show over at Damn Fine Podcast, uh, where I'm joined by Tom Merritt, and we were talking about Twin Peaks, The Return. Uh, we were, we're recording immediately after we watched the show on Sunday nights and then getting it out to you uh, ASAP um, and uh, talking to some comic creators about having them come on the show as guests. So definitely, if you like comics, there's a lot of crossover uh, between Twin Peaks fans and comics creators. So uh, definitely go to damnfinepodcast.com and subscribe and check it out. Uh, and of course, you can go to ifanboy.com where you can subscribe to this podcast as well as check out all of our previous episodes um, and join the discussion there. So there's always some great comments and things like that. I always um, like to see what everyone's saying in response to what books you're enjoying. So go to ifanboy.com where you can comment on this show. Um, and uh, if you're on Facebook, you can go like us over at facebook.com slash ifanboy. And you can follow us on Twitter at ifanboy. And that's where you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out. And you can find out, you can follow us individually if you so please uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Connor is at C.S. Kilpatrick. Josh is at J.A. Flanagan. I'm at Ron XO. And if you like this show, please write us a review in iTunes, or better yet, tell people about the show. Tell your friends. Tell whoever you think might be interested in this kind of thing. That is always the best and most valuable thing that we can ask for from you, except for the money, which we talked about earlier, which we like. Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, but but you are honestly our, our, our advertising and marketing arm, uh, and that's what – and we're still touched and pleased every time somebody does that. So yeah. thank you. Cool. That's fun. All right. That will well, do. That will do. It was fun times. I'm going to go get a styrofoam cup of iced tea and, and revel in it. So uh, until next time, I'm Ron. How much of an impact could you make, though? I mean, honestly. Like, I know. Exactly. It's a drop in the bucket. It's a, <laughs> a, a, an endless uh, permanent bucket that yeah. will always, always, always be there. Oh, I'm Josh. Yeah.